Welcome to episode 13 of the Travelling Wellness Show. Today I'm back with Dr. Ellen to talk all things stress and the thyroid gland. We cover what stress actually is, how it affects you, what it's telling you, and what you should be doing about it. We dumb down the pathogenesis of stress-related disease and offer our thoughts on why the current medical model has it all wrong. There's a lot of big words you've more than likely heard before, but at the basis of our conversation are some quality takeaways that should have you begging questions around your own lives. And while stress is a multifactorial suggestion, there are in fact many aspects of the stress response which you have total control over. You therefore still in part predict your own outcomes and are in control of what happens next. How reassuring. Today's show is proudly brought to you by our very own Adrenal Awareness Campaign. Stay ahead of your health by knowing exactly how stress is affecting your body. A PDF download is available with today's show notes and can be downloaded from today's episode at caravanconversations.com or directly at psc.com.au. I highly recommend you have a read and start predicting your own outcomes. Find yourselves a comfy seat now, guys, as this episode is starting now. You are listening to Caravan Conversations with Shannon Brenton. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. Caravan Conversations is proudly produced by PSE Supplements and explores general health, nutrition and lifestyle with one of Australia's most experienced clinicians. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome team to Caravan Conversations. I'm Shannon Brenton, your host and owner of PSE Supplements and very proud to bring you this segment today on a topic which affects all of us. Uh, I'm here with a uh, good mate and super guru and health colleague, uh, Dr. Ellen. Hey, Ellen, how are you? Very well. Morning. Very good. And uh, we're here to discuss the topic of stress, adrenal dysfunction, and the high probability of long-term thyroid dysfunction that flows from this. And uh, first of all, Ellen, I know you um, are in surgery on Thursday, on Tuesday mornings after this, so mm-hmm. thank you for your time. I think time's of uh, most significant very value fine. these days. Thank you very much for having and me. And also to our listener base, thank you guys for your time because I think that it's very admirable for people to take time out to listen to things uh, such as today's podcast, which generally helps people in their own world. And you know, if you think that you are... Um, null and void from the effects of stress in your life. You are sadly mistaken, my friends. And today's topic is something that really everyone should be listening to because it affects, seriously, what, what do you reckon, 90 95% plus people, 100% of people? Like, Look, yeah, I'd I say was going to say, if you say 95 I don't know where these 5% of people are, but exactly uh, I'd right. say you know? 100% now. And that yes. brings us, I guess, to discussing just stress straight off the bat, Ellen. You know, yep. it's funny, I, I've seen this little picture in social media doing the rounds lately of this, um, you know, obviously emaciated family of people, probably seven, eight people. They look like they're straight from a German concentration camp, basically. Yep, yep. And, and the whole purpose of you know, this picture is people are saying, and you think you're stressed. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of um, you know, the whole harden up, tough love, suck it up and get on with your life kind of mentality mm-hmm. around stress. And so yep. stress tends to be this thing that everyone thinks is you know, sitting around biting your nails because mm-hmm. you can't pay your bills, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, 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 and worrying about some of these, I guess, psychosocial components of life. But when we actually look at stress and what it is, it's far more than just that psychosocial component. We're looking at, you know, um, the effects of inflammation. We're looking at the biochemical level. We're looking at, you know, as we've discussed with, you know, with gut dysfunction, with blood sugar dysgrasias and all Mm -hmm. these things, all this stuff Mm. promotes a picture where our bodies are under strain, correct? Absolutely. Yep. So... Tell us when it comes to stress, what, what's your personal, I guess, interpretation or your personal philosophy or, or viewpoint on stress? So mm-hmm. I've just said stress is much more than being a psychosocial component. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think? Let people know your views mm-hmm. as a doctor. Um, stress is part of a, an adaptive response to dealing with what's going on in your environment. Yeah. So I tend to look at stress as... Do you feel that what is going on in your life is under your control or is it out of control and you really can't change it or exert an influence on it that you would otherwise wish to? Yes. So at, at a bigger picture, I suppose that that's how I would put it. Yep. And I find that the most difficult stress to manage or when you find that 
the physical body isn't responding well is because people have got things going on in their life that are making them unhappy um, and that they actually cannot control. Yep. And this is obviously the... uh the differentiation between an acute or or, or kind of you know um, stress here and now, which Absolutely. is obviously protecting us from something in our life this that is, is right. necessary, and then yep. of course we get this you know physiological stress response that basically stops us from dying, hmm. and That's then right. and then we've got the other side, which is obviously this, this long term chronic mm-hmm. um, debilitation of yep. our central nervous system yep. that tends to lead into dysfunction yeah. down the track. Yeah, I mean you know we've evolved coming from more primitive um, a more primitive state where stress was this fight flight short term yep. survival response yep. where you would either be running away from an animal trying to eat you or you were about to turn around and, and fight it um, yep. and, or another human that was trying to attack you and either the stress would be over very quickly because you'd be dead or the situation would be would be done and your the whole body would return back to a normal non-stress state. So that would be an acute stress response and that would be uh, something that the body was able to uh, use up a lot of resources but recoup very quickly. So and, what we're, and it's a very obvious stress, right? Yeah, you know, that's right. So you're getting you know, like uh, dilation of your pupils, increased heart rate, increased breathing that's it. in an attempt to outrun that lion, tiger, mm-hmm. whatever it was yep, that's, that's trying when, to kill that's, you. you know, that's when your insulin's still working. You're actually yep. able to produce a lot of glucose and, and use it up for energy very quickly. And, yep. it's, and it's also a stress that one would be able to put down as a stress. Mm-hmm. So they'd get home from running away from that lion. They'd say... Today was a stressful day. Yep. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's something that you're very consciously aware of. It's yeah. got a beginning and an end. Yeah. Yes. Whereas a lot of the stress that our listeners deal with in today's society might be the kind of thing where, you know, let's use, let's use you know, an office environment as a yep. good example, do you know? Yep. And most office environments or people that work in office environments would know what I talk about when you've got like that one person or group of people that mm. make the environment yep. Um, yep. not conducive to everyone's pleasure. So we, we go to this place that we don't really want to go to. Mm-hmm. We sit there all day kind of looking over our shoulder a lot of the time, wondering whether or not, you know, we're doing mm-hmm. the right or wrong thing today. And this, once again, is a stress, right? Absolutely. Yet when you're doing it for 40 to 60 hours a week, it's, mm-hmm. it's something that a lot of people will just take on board as life. That's, yep. that's exactly right. Yep. Okay. And those sorts of stresses are the ones that we need to worry about most because they don't necessarily have an end date. Nope. That's exactly right. And actually, I find the stresses even greater than the workplace are, of course, the ones that are in your family environment yeah. where there is no escape. Yeah, absolutely. And you go home to a household that should mm-hmm. be conducive to everyone's pleasure. Yep, and to rebuild and you, but instead it... It's not rejuvenating whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk a bit about, uh, I guess, some physiology now. And uh, we were obviously taking a, a complicated subject here that we're trying to obviously simplify as mm-hmm. much as possible. Yep. But our listeners have all heard about the adrenal glands and realise mm-hmm. that the adrenal glands, uh, these you know um, potent... You know, super renal things that mm-hmm. produce substances in response to stress. Yep. You spoke before about the flight or uh, fight response, mm-hmm. which was you know that which was more a pivoty, um, prim- primitive response. Mm. But the adrenal glands are more complicated than that. So we've got the adrenal medulla and the cortex. Mm-hmm. The cortex, of course, producing um, glucocorticoids. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. so your, your cortisol, most mm-hmm. well known, and your mineral corticoids like yep. aldosterone. And then, yep. of course, you've got the um, the medulla, mm-hmm. which is more involved with you know like your uh, adrenaline and noradrenaline production and whatnot. Yep. But essentially, we've got the production of a lot of substances here, which are keeping our body in a regulated response. Mm. Okay, so even something yep. like aldosterone, for instance, isn't necessarily regulating what we would consider stress, but it's regulating um, fluidity levels, mm. having a direct relationship with the kidney, which is then maintaining uh, a normal blood pressure response for people. So when we're talking about the adrenal glands, we're not necessarily just talking about, oh, my heart rate's up and I'm a bit stressed today. We're Mm. talking about a much broader Mm. um, physiological response, correct? Mm. That's it, yep. So a little bit now, I guess, about the HPA axis. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people, particularly who are, you know, um, schooled to some degree, would be aware of the HPA, which Mm -hmm. stands for the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. And for those that are like, oh my God, this is getting too out of hand already, this is basically just a, a regulatory function from our brain, mm-hmm. uh, understanding that there's a trigger response here of a stress yep. that once again could be environmental, it could be biochemical, mm-hmm. it could be related to chronic inflammation in the body and it could be related to, yes, that you know that home environment that's mm-hmm. not conducive to, to one's um, long-term pleasure. But give us a bit of an idea as to what this regulatory cycle does, how it functions and what the outcome is. Mm-hmm. So your hypothalamus produces a hormone which is a 
corticotrophic releasing hormone and that then speaks to the pituitary yep. and the pituitary gland then produces um, adrenocorticotrophic hormone which then talks directly to the adrenals. Yep. So that then tells the adrenals that there's a stress going on and that you need to respond to that and the adrenals then respond by producing these various different forms of hormones. Yep. So then there's there's also feedback loops that then go on. So the adrenals start producing their hormones and that then goes into the blood circulation and actually travels back up not only to all the cells in the body but up to the brain as well. So the brain then is then able to decide, okay, is there enough stress hormone in the body for what's going on? Mm-hmm. And it then, if it's working adequately, then sends a negative feedback back down to the via the pituitary back to the adrenals to say okay that's enough cortisol yeah, stop that's it yep yeah <laughs> you know we've, we've got enough otherwise you know the the stress hormone production just escalates and escalates yes and the whole time this is going on we're effectively looking at survival of mm, us this correct is right. yep. the body's not really looking at well you know am i am i happy with my time and my place it's looking at you know the physiological Keep maintenance of life that's it yeah, yep. okay yep. so what are the general um, signs of adrenal dysfunction. So what, what you've got to look at is normally your body is trying to help you get through that stress. And yep. so the, the positive outcome of, of knowing that, that stress is being dealt with adequately is having enough energy to be able to, to combat that response, to have good mental functioning, to have an alertness, to have an ability to recall and use information, yep. um, to have your blood sugar levels and insulin levels stable and have your muscles feeling strong and having enough blood flow to, in fact, run away from or fight the the stressor that's going on. Yep. So that that's a, what we would call an adaptive response at a simplified level. So what happens is when that stress goes on and on and on, these functions start happening less and less efficiently, and you're using up stores of hormones and stores of nutrients, uh, and you get a, a generalised inflammatory response with ongoing stress which we talked about with the last podcast yep. then the body starts coping at a practical level less well so this is when people find that mentally they're not as alert they're not uh, happy that their energy levels reduce that yep. their blood sugar levels start becoming unstable and blood sugar levels can either become low or high mm-hmm. in this state that their insulin starts functioning less efficiently and we yep. start looking at syndromes that we probably all heard about you know your, your syndrome x you know your pre-diabetic and then the, the type 2 diabetic state um that muscle tissue doesn't work as well people can start accumulating fat um and and the actual strength of muscles can reduce with time mm. sounds terrible it is terrible <laughs> <laughs> tell us about the um i, I guess i'm just gonna i'm just gonna throw it out there there's an enormous debate in the world yep yep and it's it, it's it, it's founded upon um, two different ways of, of viewing mm. human organism, no mm. doubt. But you've got the allopathic model, which basically has come out in no uncertain terms and said that there's no such thing as adrenal dysfunction, mm-hmm. that yep. you're effectively looking at you know, two or three prime mm. adrenal diseases, mm. you yep. know, yep. Uh, Cushing's and um, Addison's disease, the prime two, yep. where you're going to either have a, an over or under supply of adrenal hormone right. and then yep. there'll be a uh, marked medical response. Yeah, to, to the point of being close to death. Yes, that's right. Absolutely. Yep. And to keep mm-hmm. these people alive, we'll give you a drug essentially right. and this will keep things functioning. Yep. And then we've got the other aspect that you've just spoke about now. So things like brain fog that a lot of people mm. would be aware of. And, and then a lot of the, I guess, symptoms around these things, right? So even people that don't really necessarily have brain fog, for instance, they would a lot of the time be dealing with, you know, um, sugar cravings, um, cravings for salt, mm. um, yes. you know, needing to uh, eat a lot in order to keep their energy levels maintained, yep. um, craving caffeine or other stimulants mm. that will kind of have them on this upper, so mm. to speak. But all these symptoms of, you know, um, what do we got? Infertility, PMS, um, sore breasts around, you mm. know, period time, uh, dizziness, low blood pressure, fatigue, um, hair thinning, mm. um, inability to lose weight, putting weight on easy, which are all signs of adrenal mm. dysfunction, yes. don't get given the time of day in yep. general allopathic practice. Yes. Where's the disconnect? Mm. I don't, because the way I see it, there's mm. a shitload of studies out there now mm. that says otherwise. Yes. And you've got people like us that have built careers based upon treating people in dysfunctional states rather than disease states. So yeah. why the battle? Yeah. I think a lot of the problems come in our measuring techniques yes. of adrenal hormones. 
And I think what a lot of people have got to realise is that the testing of blood levels of hormones is different to the actual amount of hormone that is active and actually doing the job. But when you're trained only in conventional medicine, all you know about is the blood testing of these hormones. And this is even when we look at fertility hormones and testosterone and progesterone for women. Um, Cortisol also varies at different times of the day. Mm. We have a um, a 24-hour circadian rhythm where there are different levels of hormones at different times of the day. And we're meant to have higher levels of cortisol in the morning than we are by the evening. So some people find that uh, they may not feel too bad for the first few hours of the day, but then they crash. And and three o'clock in the afternoon is a typical time for when people's adrenals uh, start failing initially. And then they, you know, as the years go on, they then find that they're functioning poorly in the morning as well. So this is when I started looking at salivary hormone levels of cortisol. And when you measure hormones at a saliva level, you're actually measuring the level of hormone that's active. And then when you get these levels back from people, you find that the actual cortisol that is able to functionally do that job is actually very, very low. And that is disproportionate to what you're seeing on a blood level. And when you're doing uh, what you're talking about as a 12-hour salivary cortisol mm, test, yes. you're also measuring over four different phases of the day, right? This is So right. morning, yes. lunchtime, yep. afternoon, dinner time. Yes. Whereas um, classic cortisol tests done through pathology labs for mm-hmm. serum tests are always just an AM test, That's right? It, which is when you are going to have the highest level of Elevated cortisol you're cortisol, going to have for exactly. that day. Yes. So the likelihood of finding a disease... Mm is only when you've actually got a heavy disease state in place, hmm, not necessarily yes. an adrenal dysfunction showing symptoms of yes. poor quality of yes. life. Yes, yep. this okay. is right. So um, I guess leading on to our next point, um, we've got this disconnect between uh, um, you know, allopathic um, viewing of the adrenals and their role, uh, well, not so much their role, but the signs of dysfunction. Mm. Um, the the next place we go from there is the thyroid, right? Mm-hmm. And the yep. thyroid's another interesting topic. And the interconnectedness or dual relationship between the adrenals and the thyroid is, mm-hmm. is very, very related. Yes. And once again, the thyroid is a, um endocrine tissue which is probable and likely to cause issue in time with long-term adrenal issues. Mm, very much. Um, the symptoms can be very, very similar, mm. but the diagnostics around it, not so good. Yes. Tell yes. us tell us what the thyroid is, how it functions, um, and a little bit about its relationship with the adrenal glands. Mm-hmm. So the thyroid gland is a gland that lives in your neck. Um, looks a bit like a butterfly. It's got two different lobes. Um, and it produces a hormone called thyroxin that is what we call a precursor hormone. And so your body then converts that thyroxine into a triiodothyronine, which is a a T3. And that is the actual hormone that does the job of turning on energy production within the cell. So the big picture about stress is about us producing enough energy to survive whatever is going on. So when you have an adrenal response, that will also send a signal to the thyroid to say, look, you need to assist in producing as much energy as you can. So it then sends a signal to the thyroid hormone, often via the pituitary, in order to, and then the pituitary produces a, a hormone called thyroid stimulating hormone, which yep. is what we're taught in medical school to measure. And that then sends a signal back down to um, the thyroid to actually produce more of the thyroxine hormone. So what I find when the stress goes on and on and on, the thyroid demands are increased upon it because it is trying to make up for the shortfall of uh, lack of energy production due to sort of essentially the cell has given you as much as it can from an adrenal perspective. It now needs to produce more of its own uh, cyclic ATP via that thyroid hormone. So the other problem occurs is when there's a huge amount of cortisol around um, and there's an, an inflammatory response to chronic high levels of of cortisol through many different biochemical pathways that you actually start producing a hormone called reverse T3. So this then starts blocking your normal thyroid hormone from working. And this is again where another problem gets back to with tests in that as doctors we're we're taught to measure this thyroid stimulating hormone, which... um, Which is a measure in its own right. We'll just throw that out there. Which is. But for some patients, when they've been under stress for a long period of time... Uh, that can be less accurate than actually looking at 
the actual level of T3 and T4 in yep. blood. So yep. then some doctors do that also. Then once you've got that measure, um, a very important hormone to then measure is something called reverse T3, which if it is uh, above 200, um, we actually find that that has an inhibiting effect on the actual production of the active thyroid hormone and in fact can block it from working at the receptor site. How often do you find it's over 200? Um, probably 80%. Regularly, yeah, exactly. certainly when people have been stressed and, and for a long it, and time. And it's still something that's not checked much, right? This, this is right. And look, it's a, it's a private test. It's not paid for by Medicare. It's about an $80 cost. Yeah. Um, and of course, not all patients are, are happy to do that. But yep. normally when people have been sick long enough, they're happy, they're happy to do. Um, the other levels that we can find are high are thyroid autoantibodies. So yes. this is where we get another block where the immune system is now making antibodies that actually, <clears throat> pardon me, attack the thyroid gland itself so not only can reduce the production of thyroid hormones but also interfere with that actual active thyroid hormone from working at that cell receptor so mm. you, know, you can have normal levels of hormones in your blood but it doesn't actually mean when it gets to the receptor on that cell membrane that it's actually going to function the way that it should yes and this is another problem with measuring hormone levels. You know, you, you don't always know how much of that hormone is actually doing getting the job where it that needs it should to be. be. Mm. And so just getting back to um, TSH or thyroid hormone, mm. it is the, the prime um, diagnosis or diagnostic mm. tool you'd look at. That's what we taught, yes. And it's funny that in Australia, I, I think now what they say zero to four is considered normal, right? You know, mm. Whereas yes. overseas, it's uh, very much known that anything over sort of two to two and a half is showing a sign of a dysfunction. Yeah, it, it's a maladaptive response. Maladaptive yes. response. Mm. And so a lot, of, uh, a lot of doctors will look at TSH at, you know, um, 1.8, mm. everything's fine. Mm. 2.2, it's fine. Mm. 3.6, it's fine. Mm. 3.8, it's fine. This yes. gets you going for years, right? Absolutely. Until mm. we actually get to a point it tips the edge where, you know, pathology tells us that we now have an issue, mm. yet the person could have had the signs and symptoms of, you know, um, dry skin, constipation, weight gain, all that nasty mm -hmm. stuff going on for a long time. Yep. 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 Um, so some would say that the, isn't that a cop out? Some would say, <laughs> I would say, but I know a lot, a lot of people, um, have the same hypothesis that TSH is more a measure of, of pituitary health mm. than it is of thyroid health in its own right. Correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And for a lot of people that have had this test done, I know there'd be a lot of people today listening, you know, mm. with quite open ears that have mm. got all these symptoms yet, you know, their bloods look fine. Mm. Um, there's some confusion around TSH for the, for the average bear. So people think that, you know, an elevated TSH is a sign of a low thyroid, mm -hmm. uh, which, which it is. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the time, um, I should say it the other way, people would assume that a low TSH means low thyroid and mm. an elevated TSH means high thyroid, mm. but it's actually the other way around, correct? Yes, yes. So the, the pituitary gland is producing TSH based upon the thyroid gland's response to produce T4. That's right. Yeah. Talk to us about T4, T3 conversion because mm -hmm. uh, I think the, the statistics I read back in the day was that about 93 or 94% of all thyroid hormone produced by the thyroid gland is in fact T4, mm -hmm. yet it's the conversion of T4 to T3 which is um, most required to mm. actually have a systemic response. Yes, yes. We know that adrenal dysfunction uh, reduces this conversion. Mm -hmm. Talk right. to us about the conversion of okay. T4 to T3. So we call T4, or also known as thyroxine, as what we would call a, a precursor hormone. So it's uh, sort of in a non-active state. So yep. the, the thyroid produces that as a reservoir so that you will then produce the active hormone from that as you need to. Yep. So And that, that conversion is uh, simply by removing an iodine molecule from thyroxine. We should we should probably just go mm. over that. So T mm. is the um the amino acid tyrosine. That's right. Yep. And three and four are the amount of iodine molecules attached to this. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so basically the body is taking iodine, which mm. is a, a dietary resource, mm -hmm. which unfortunately is extremely low. Yes. Uh, last thing I heard was Australia had the second lowest level of iodine to anywhere yeah. in the world, yes. you know, so yeah. it's not real good, right? But mm. so the body's seeking to produce thyroid hormone through the nutritional ingestion of iodine. That's it. Yep. yep. And then it's breaking one of these high energy bonds of T4 mm -hmm. to create T3, right? Mm -hmm. Which is yes. releasing metabolism. Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. I'll let you continue. So then T3 is formed. What we find is in a stress state, when there is a very high level of cortisol around, the wrong iodine molecule is removed. So it forms what we are calling a hormone called reverse T3. So it's um, almost like a reverse image of how the molecule should look. 
And it's a way of clearing T4 too, right? Yes, too much elevated T4, mm. the body will try to dump some of it in this reverse right. T3. This is right. Yep. So then when that gets down to a receptor level on the cell, it's meant to hit that cell membrane, hit that receptor, and the T3 is the actual hormone that does the job. So the, the T4 won't do it, the reverse T3 won't do it, only the T3 that can actually interact with that receptor then turns a signal on. It's like a little lock and key, turns a signal on telling that, that cell to actually start making cyclic ATP. Okay. Now that's of course as long as the cell is capable of having enough of a response to make cyclic ATP. And this is a scary thing. The hormones just ask our cells to do something. Yeah. If the cells don't have the health to do it or the nutrients to do it, then they can't respond to that signal. So that's just another thing to keep in mind. Yep. And there are nutrients required, right, for Correct. this conversion. Yes. So we're looking there yes. in most notably at selenium and zinc levels. That's it. Yep. You know, 70% of people low in zinc. I'd mm-hmm. say more than that low in selenium. Yes. Um, yep. This does point to the fact that you know mineral depletion is mm-hmm. a, a lot of what's behind a lot of this mm, and what depletes minerals other than of course you know shit soil quality and and, and the like stress yep stress yep. and inflammation and acidity yeah yep. so it comes around and around and around and around yep. around yep. all right um the role of um inflammation mm-hmm. in thyroid i know mm-hmm. that there's been a lot of evidence around the fact that uh inflammatory um interleukins and tumor necrosis factor have Mm. a direct effect on thyroid binding globulin. Yes. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, a study that I read on that was that they actually injected healthy people, Mm. okay, so these people with no issues whatsoever, low inflammatory markers, um, perfect functioning thyroids, with um, one jab of tumor necrosis factor Mm -hmm. that had a significant downregulation in thyroid binding globulin for five days. Mm. Now, for people that don't understand what that means, essentially, once the thyroid has actually produced thyroxin or T4 and let's say your mineral stores are perfect and your insulin sensitivity is great and your cortisol levels are good we're actually getting a really good conversion of T4 to T3 it doesn't stop there we've now got to transport the bloody thing all around the body because you know the thyroid as much as it's about you know um, energy and and weight loss is what Mm. people think it's about Mm. it it affects nearly every cell in our body right that's it yep Yep. and it's involved it helps the cells to basically regulate energy metabolism Mm. even down to the point where one of the reasons why we would get constipation in a low thyroid is the fact that it's actually um, telling the intestines Mm -hmm. at what rate it you know, moves food through the body. Okay. So in a low state, it does a slow job and we Mm. tend to get constipated and lethargic and everything slows down. Whereas in a hyperthyroid, say like a grave state or Mm. or just a straight hyperthyroid state, we're getting an elevation of these things. It's telling the body to work really quick. Everything's working fast. Hence the anxiety, hence the diarrhea, hence the weight loss. And the body's working in this once again, you know, um, not regulated state. Yep. And a hyperthyroid, just so we can get it out there, is not a good thing, right? No, no that oh, just wow. burns you out. Yes. So can I ask, and this is a personal question, and, and this isn't me um, you know, asking it for any other reason but my own. I've always been interested from my perspective why more doctors don't prescribe T3. Mm-hmm. Why are we prescribing T4 mm-hmm. when the likelihood of converting it to T3 is low? Mm-hmm. It happens mostly in the gut and the liver, which mm-hmm. we know are dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people walking around with good TSHs because of T4 yes. and T4 levels that are amazing and looking terrific, mm-hmm. yet they still feel like shit. Yeah. So yeah. what's it, the answer? Look, it's in our education. When you are trained um, conventionally, you I wasn't even taught about T3 when I went through my standard conventional medical training Um, and if you are then a specialist and you're an endocrinologist you are taught about T3 only in the context that there is a proven resistance to thyroxine yes and that is actually a that that's a physiological response in the body it isn't something that can be measured in any other way the endocrinologists are not taught about reverse T3 Mm -hmm. Um, and I think a lot of it is in its um, uh, the way that they know that T3 exists. So there is a, a synthetic form of T3 that the endocrinologists sometimes use, but it has a very short half-life. Yep. So, so it's out of the body quickly, that means. This is right. Yep. So, you know, if, if it's given, the form that it's given to patients via a script is to only have, you know, a, a four to six-hour action. Yeah. Whereas whenever I look at using... T3, I'll actually give it in a compounded form as a slow release form where you're getting at least 12 hours 
out of that T3. Yep. Um, and I more look at um, people's physiological response, the uh, level of reverse T3 in their blood, mm-hmm. the amount of mineral depletion, you know, what I know I'm overcoming yep. at a clinical level. Yep. Um, and the blood tests just give me a ballpark figure. Yes. But clinical symptoms I find are, are way more accurate. And T3, of course, is used to clear the reverse T3. This is right. Correct? Yeah, and that yes. can be given for a you know six-month period, for instance, mm. and generally mm. you'll find that T3 will reduce by default. Mm. Yep. Mm. Um, all right, well, <laughs> I won't say what I was going to say. But um, as far as you talk about... Um, an overview case of the patient. Okay, mm-hmm. so when when you're talking about someone coming in and you want to assess, you know, how bad the stress levels are, how how bad their mineral, you know, pool is at mm. that point, you know, how bad their gut function and inflammatory markers are, and therefore how likely they are of being able to actually utilise T4 appropriately. Mm. Um, let's just take the average person. I'm going to talk. I reckon 50% of people with mm-hmm. thyroid dysfunction that would go to a doctor and they would find out that the TSH is elevated mm-hmm. and they would start on some thyroxine and generally 50 micrograms as we know and yes. if they're lucky they might have a really good response with mm-hmm. the 50 micrograms yep if they're not lucky which mm. is most of the time mm. they're then increased to you know maybe you know 50 micrograms every day and 100 micrograms on the weekend mm-hmm. type thing just to increase mm. the level the we're still looking at a conversion problem here though aren't we absolutely you know so mm. the only reason why you would increase someone's t4 is because say we look at it as a 10 percent rule mm. if you're converting 10 percent of t4 to t3 you're going to convert five micrograms you know yep. from 50 10 micrograms from 100 yep. 22 and a half from 225 for instance and so rather than there being a strategic manageable you know principle put mm. in place it's just more about overloading the body mm. with something that mm. at some point it can aid the conversion itself. Mm. I want to ask you as a doctor, at what point does it become just good practice to make sure that these adrenal reserves are maintained, making sure that the mineral pool is maintained, looking for the fact that the um, gut detoxification protocols and things are maintained? Because really, it's all that that's making the problem mm. either yes. better or worse, right? Yes, yes. Yep. Look, I... I I mean, you're, you're talking to someone who's already a convert, Shannon. Okay, so, I mean, look, you know, as... A, a as lot I've, of our listeners are frustrated mm, by their doctors, yeah. okay? And that's not a stab at doctors because, no. as you said before, they're trained that way. That's right. You that's know? right. And mm. if you're trained to not... And, and, and I must say, I'm going to say it openly, it shits me mm. because the information's there. Mm. It, it's just there. And so it makes me wonder... Why aren't they being trained mm. in reverse T3? Mm. Why doesn't why doesn't an endocrinologist know about reverse T3? Mm. I, I find it mm. r- retarded. Mm. I think what's happened is everything has been taught to be objective. You know, we're taught that everything has to have a measurable number that you can, you know, do a blood test for. Yep. And the harsh reality is that blood tests only give you a certain amount of information. They don't tell you what is going on inside the cell. They don't tell you whether that amount of hormone is actually working. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they don't tell you what might be blocking that hormone from working. So it's very difficult sometimes to find tests to measure what we know clinically. Yeah. And there's also, you know, the medico-legal world out there where we are all judged by a panel of our peers. Yes. And as soon as you as a doctor start functioning a little bit more in a lateral thinking way yes um and a bit more of a a total all-encompassing way and if you start doing things a little bit differently to your colleagues then then you stand out you know and and that's a vulnerable state to be in in that profession unfortunately so um when i look at it my job at the end of the day is to get that patient better and i am happy to look at other forms of testing that are out there and to document clinical symptoms very, very well. And if I've got a patient that I see time and time again coming in saying, since they've been on thyroxine, they feel worse, Mm -hmm. then logically there is something else going on that we are missing. So I think that also a lot of doctors that are trained holistically sometimes use levels of hormones that are a little bit high mm-hmm. and that can have negative effects on patients. And I know that certain specialists and endocrinologists have seen the outcome of 
these patients that have seen um, doctors that give higher levels of, of things like bioidentical hormones and, and potentially higher levels of T3 than is also safe. Yes. And that immediately reinforces the negative thoughts about yeah. these things. So yeah. you have to do everything very sensibly and very safely. Yeah, that makes that makes complete sense. Thanks mm. for outlining that. Mm. Um, as far as dealing with stress goes, mm-hmm. okay, stress is one of these things. It's, it's with us, right? There's no yep. point trying yep. to avoid it because no. it's here. We're all stressed. And look, we probably all be on. bored out of our brain if there wasn't something going on. Something but anyway, about. Yes, exactly that's right. right. Yep. What, what are your management techniques or what are your principles you try to put in place with patients? Because getting away now from you know inflammation and gut, we've spoken mm. about that at length. Yep. Yep. Anyone that's listening should know they've got to yep. get their gut and inflammatory yep. markers yep. All, all well maintained and, yes. and we've outlined the ways to do that. But looking now at just the psychosocial and, and mm. mental emotional components of stress, yes. what are your general principles mm-hmm. or what would your recommendations be for someone to, I guess, live normally in modern times mm. yes. um, but put their body in, you know, I guess, its best state yep. to minimise the likelihood of adrenal and or thyroid dysfunction? Okay. Um, at, a, at a big picture, I tend to start with looking at trying to reduce the amount of uh, agitating stimulus that's in their life. Yes. Um, Explain. Okay, so most of us now in our Western world are bombarded with sensory input by the mobile phones, the computers, (laughs) you know, you get to work and you're being hit every couple of minutes with people with demands on you and then you come home and you put yourself in front of the television and, and, you know, you've got children and and they need you and then you might do something on the computer and then, you know, you then think that with all of this huge amount of brain activity that you're going to be able to go upstairs, go to bed, turn the light off and quickly get good quality sleep. So I think what we've got to realise is um, we need to give our body time and our brain time to wind down whenever it can and to pull ourselves essentially out of our head. So a lot of, you know, some of the most stressed people I've ever seen are the academics. They they spend their whole time analysing and they're stuck in their head. And I say, all right, there are certain basic functions we have to do in a day and you're at work and you've got to deal with children. But when you come home, you need to have two hours of downtime before you get into your bed. So that's where the television is off, the iPad is off, the mobile phone is not looked at unless there's an now, emergency. Now, they're most people's downtimes. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah. I... I'm just throwing it <laughs> yes, out there. It's yes, true, no, isn't no, no. it? Yes. Most people come home, have a couple of grogs and sit on the lounge, and the watch television. some mind rock yep. and then go to bed yep. and wonder why they can't sleep. Yep, yep. And I think it's it's what I say to people is, look, you don't have to believe me, but try it for three days. Give yourself three days of when you come home from work, you know, grab the kids, go for a walk, even if it's just around the neighbourhood, um, if it's still light and you've got, you know, a park, you know, 10 minutes of that, um, come home and just uh, don't put the television on, find a book. Um, just try to get away from digital media stimulus just for a short period of time. Yeah. And most people then tell me that the actual transition into sleep is easier, mm-hmm. that they're actually able to get to sleep more quickly and that the sleep quality is better. Now, some people will do things like um, deep breathing exercises where you are counteracting the effect. We haven't really talked about sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, but Go when for you it. do... Or <laughs> <laughs> there's your big chance. So when we're in a heightened state of stress, we use our sympathetic nervous system. And yep. that is sending those signals to the adrenal gland to release your adrenaline and, and your cortisol. The parasympathetic nervous system does the opposite and it helps our body calm down very quickly from all of that increased activity. So the deep breathing exercises stimulate the vagus nerve that controls it's in the diaphragm and uh, that helps calm that that stimulus calm that adrenaline and that the cortisol surges so a lot of people find even just with a couple of minutes of some very slow calm deep breaths and you know they might lie on the bed for that or just sit on the couch and they're treating that as any other exercise that that brings the adrenaline down enough to actually reset their nervous system somewhat so they're, they're the, the things that I try to put out there. And lifestyle changes are, are difficult. Yeah. Um, then you're looking at other stimulants. So then you're looking at what else are people putting in their life that keeps revving the nervous system. And this is the sugar and the simple carbohydrates and the high glycemic index foods and the caffeine um, and, and, and alcohol as well to a point. You know, we all think about alcohol as being 
a a relaxant, a relaxant yeah. but that it, it's a pro-inflammatory toxic um, substance and that can have the inflammation itself will create a stress response in the body um, so yes yeah, so I'm, I'm looking every every person's case is individual and there's they're the lifestyle stuff then I start looking at where most people's actual stresses are truly coming from at a deeper level mm-hmm. and this is either you know a job that they're not happy with um, relationship conflicts that um, that are very destructive and um, and this is where I start seeing if people are open to looking at um, meditation or yoga or what exercise they're doing, you know. Or quitting their job or, or leaving the Or quitting their job, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really try to keep marriages together uh, anytime I can, you know, because you're still going to take your brain with you. No, I break leave, them up. You know, <laughs> you know oh, anyway, that's a whole other podcast, isn't it? It is. Um, this is very damning for modern time though, right? You know, yes, like, yes, it j- really is. J- just yeah. to go over what you've spoken about so far, you're talking, you know, the fact that you go on any person's phone right now and there's there's generally not one social media app there's three mm. or four yep. you know yep. and uh, i think the 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 most recent stats on facebook are that the average person will check you know their status at least 10 times a day mm. and we know mm. the effect this is having on like dopamine sensitivity yep. in, in the brain yep. and, and the like yep. people are actually getting to the point now where we're almost like lab rats mm. where they, you know they hear the and mm. know to walk over and get their food. Yeah. It's the same thing now with, you know, having to get on their social media. Then we've got all the electromagnetic frequency produced mm. from the amount of things we're around now, do you mm. know? Yep. And, you know, you're right. You Show me a, a household that doesn't have at least one person in it that's not happy with their time and their place, mm. doesn't like their job, doesn't get on with their boss, you know, or mm. is in a shitty relationship, abusive relationship, whatever it might be. Mm. Um, and you show me one person who's stressed that deep breathes. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a default of being mm. stressed, isn't yeah. it? You get yep. into this <laughs> yep. state, you know? State. I, I've yep. actually, this is just something for our listeners, I've actually seen people, this is under my direction, the direction of, of peers of mine, who after one week of deep breathing, these are obesity cases, mm. one week of deep breathing have lost like two and three kilos mm. with no change to energy output, energy intake or otherwise just by focusing on sympathetic nervous system. That is absolutely fantastic. You know? Yes. And yes. That, that really gives us a strong sense as to, you know, what's happening out there mm. in the world, do you yes. know? Yes, So I believe, and I'm glad you touched on the um, the PNS, because I think that the parasympathetic nervous system is like key. Mm. And, you know, it's it's almost, you know, I'm just going to say it as, it as it most really is, guys. You have uh, an obligation you know, it's it's a physiological obligation of anyone in this world to balance your stresses. Mm. It's an obligation to listen to your body because how many of us don't listen to our body, Ellen? Yeah, you know? absolutely. How many people rock up and they go, oh, Ellen, yeah, like, <laughs> I'm all over the shop. Mm-hmm. My yep. energy's this. And I wake up in the morning after nine hours sleep and I feel like shit. Mm-hmm. And I've got a headache until 9.30. Mm. And I've got to have two coffees to come to and mm-hmm. a hot shower. And then I get to work and I pick up a little bit, you know, because mm. typically mm-hmm. things start to improve for them mm-hmm. just based on, you know, um, blood sugar and ca- caffeine response yep. now. Oh, but 11 o'clock, you've got the muffin cart coming. So it'll be cart. all right. Yeah. That goes yep. without saying, you yep. know. And yep. then once again, by, you said it before, two, three o'clock, they're mm. feeling like shit. Now, I do a lot of salivary cortisol testing. Yep. And I often find that AM test is generally okay, mm, you know, and, mm-hmm. and when I say generally okay, there's, you know, obviously differentiation there to be said too, but I always find that that 12 o'clock and 4 o'clock are mm. generally low. Absolutely. You know, they should be sort of like 7 to 9, mm. you know, mm. uh, you know, a best response, and I'm consistently finding them like half what they should be. Mm. And we've got these poor bodies that just aren't coping with what's happening. Then what do we do? Mm-hmm. Then our guilt kicks in at 4.30 because mm-hmm. we've got to go and train because mm-hmm. our ass is too big. Mm-hmm. So now we pull on our ASICs and you know, mm-hmm. we go to the gym and we push ourselves past our, you know, past what our body's telling yep. us. And let's stress ourselves some more with, you know, not only the emotional response, but then the actual physical response of training That's in a state right. when your body's already burned out. That's yep. right, you know, mm. and so, and, and this is the time, we know the inherent benefits of exercise, mm. you know, so mm. I don't want to talk exercise down, I'm a massive advocate for exercise, as people would know, but what I'm trying to get to is is that inherent personal internal relationship mm. With mm. our body, mm. no one knows Shannon's body like Shannon. Yes. You know, and yes. you know, I could be sitting here as a patient of yours right now, getting all the advice to you know do more and move more and all the rest of it. Mm. Yet, I always say to people, listen to what your body says. Let mm. your body dictate. Mm. Ask your body, as wanky as it sounds, mm. 
how are you, body? Mm. How, what do you need now, mm. body? That mm. might change day to day, yep. you know? It's yep. like I say when, when you've got your menstrual cycle, you know? Like if you're on day two of your periods and you're going through six to eight super pads mm. a day mm. and you feel like shit, mm. it might be a good time to go home and rest. Uh, yep. Do you yep. know? Yep. Otherwise, you've got a body which is, of course, in a stress state right now. There's a lot going on, obviously, as we know through menstruation. Mm. And we're going to push it and push it and push it and push it and push it. Mm. And then we wonder why we fall over. Yep. Yep. And this is why I find it so surprising. And you know what? Defaming in its own right, this mm. whole clinical, subclinical. Mm. When I hear the word subclinical, for me, it's a way to defame people mm. that work outside of normal diagnostic guidelines. Mm. Do you know mm. what I mean? Mm. And the people that suffer are our listeners. Mm. They're yeah, the ones that suffer. That's exactly right. They're the ones they? not having a high quality of life that they could have. Absolutely. Yes. Mm. To what point, Ellen, is quality of life the most important thing versus just having a life? It's everything. Yep. You know, you know. I believe, mm. definitely. Yes. All right, so tying it all together now for people. So stress is this thing we've all got, okay? Managing stress is really important and the management of stress isn't just worrying about, you know, your relationships and internal affairs. It's about stabilising blood sugar levels mm -hmm. because that's obviously important to mm -hmm. the stability of, of our, uh, our energy levels. Uh, it's about, uh, and obviously our adrenals too because mm -hmm. we know that obviously low blood sugar just burns the adrenals out. Yep. It's about making sure that our gut function and gut quality is good. There's, uh, once again, an innate relationship between high cortisol levels and, and um, um, suppressed gut immunity, Absolutely. which is yep. another big one. Yep. Um, it's therefore about, you know, it was funny the other day I did a podcast with Shannon Ponton and uh, it was for me really enlightening from someone that's like, right, you know, get your ass off the ground and, you know, work hard. Yep. And his take, like the, the takeaway I had from his podcast was adults have forgotten how to have fun. Yeah, that is beautiful. That was my takeaway. That is beautiful. Adults forgot how to yep. fun, have fun. Yep. Do you know, he said yep. his kid will get a stick yep. and go and like build his sister and hit trees and throw it up in the, for yep. three hours yep. and just be be yep. in a state of kind of just flow and just feeling good. You know good. what it is? I, I think it's a state of non-judgment and, and yep. I think that's what happens and that's what happens with social media. We are yep. judging ourselves all the time. Yeah. You know, how do I, how does my life compare to this person? Is it as exciting? What am yeah. I going to put on? Yeah. And all of that, that judgmental state counteracts um, happiness. And we also know that the these people you see that have got these perfect lives on social media oh. gen generally don't have it anyway. It's a facade, <laughs> yep. you know? Yep. Um, I forget who it was, but one of my favourite sayings around stress was, stress is being here but wanting to be there. Mm. And I think mm. that's just so true in this world, isn't yep. it? You know, yep. not being yep. in, the, in the moment, not practicing those aspects of mindfulness. Mm. I think that's one of my, my um, the reasons I'm a great advocate of um, deep breathing is not just obviously for the PNS response, but it's also just for being here now, mm. being present now. Mm. And for our listeners, you know, like if you're driving in the car now, just drive the car, mm. you know, don't text, don't, you know, don't worry about, oh, did I bring my lunch? Don't, don't worry about, you know, if you're going to cook dinner this afternoon or, or buy it. Worry about that this afternoon. Mm -hmm. You know, being here now is critical in just being able to um, let our bodies function just simply, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's about beautiful. simple, yes. simple. You know, our bodies know what to do. You know, yes. like we've known yeah. for so long that inherently they know what to do and you can mm -hmm. flog the shit out of them and they'll keep going but at some point they're going to have to give up mm. and yes. they're going to give up through some kind of, you know, subclinical, that's that word again, mm. subclinical mm. symptom when your life goes to shit, but you're not quite diseased yet. Yep. And yep. if you don't listen to those signs, then they're going to give you the disease process because mm. that will be the kick in the ass you need to finally sit down. Because mm. yep. the way you're feeling is your body talking to you. you know, it is saying that something needs to change. That's right. Mm. And you know, it's funny that, um, uh, it was a, a statistic I read a long time ago. But it was talking about holidays and it said people don't get a reduction in cortisol. So serum cortisol, tested, measurable, you know, statistical, mm. you know, clinical cortisol yep. until the 10th day of a holiday. Mm. You mm. know, so like any of you guys that are listening that's go, oh, you know, like I haven't had a holiday for five years, but I, I routinely have three days away with my husband at the Blue Mountains. Mm. It's not enough. No. Do you know, like no. you've got to be able to put your ass down mm -hmm. for periods of time when the body can go through this recalibration, recalibration process of, you know, um, getting this sympathetic and, and parasympathetic arm in this balanced state. It's just a seesaw, yeah, isn't it? it it's like is. everything. Yes. Do you know, good food, bad food, you yep. know, good yep. emotions, bad emotions. Yep. It's just a seesaw and you need to listen to it. So um, outside of the things you've spoken about, so, you know, some meditation, some deep breathing exercise, um, the eating of regular meals, I'm sure mm. you would you would say is mm. an important one. Yes. Yep, two or three meals a day for a stressed body, bad outcome, right? Absolutely, yep. yes. Um, 
to our boys listening that are heavy gym goers, mm-hmm. pre-workouts, mm. you know, and they're having sort of three to 400 milligrams of caffeine before they train mm. on top of the, you know, a couple of coffees they've had that day or their couple of Red Bulls or whatever. Mm. What's the outcome of that long term? Mm. Well, as you can imagine, you're stressing your nervous system just with the caffeine and the exercise itself also stresses the nervous system. Now, that that is fine short term, but long term, your body will have a have a negative response you know the there's this negative feedback loop where the high levels of cortisol and the high levels of caffeine start uh, reducing the effect at the receptor level so your body just can no longer adapt to those stresses that you're doing to yourself now when you're young and you've got all sorts of other hormones and your human growth hormone and you've got your testosterone and your dhea it can compensate but you chew through those hormones very quickly and you're aging you know ahead of your time when you're doing that yep and of course to some degree we can cheat this with age right Mm -hmm. you know so if we've got a 20 something year old listener now Say, no, I have four coffees a day and have, mm-hmm. you know, me pre-workout before I train off, feel fine. Mm. Um, that's because you're 20-something. That's exactly you know? right. And it gets yes. a sort of period of time where the body maladapts to mm. this mm. and then it needs to start showing these signs of dysfunction. Yep. Um, just on, a, on another note, from a stress perspective, um, I want to talk about postmenopausal women, mm-hmm. okay? Because mm-hmm. we know that most adrenal impairment shows itself with either, you know, short-term acute or chronic stress or mm. just long-term chronic life stresses. Mm. So talk about these women that, because I see lots of them, you know, mm. they'll, they'll be 55 and they'll come to me and they've got obesity issues, mm-hmm. you know, classic visceral yep. adipose concerns, yep. Yep. Um, and they've got fatigue. There might be thyroid dysfunction a lot of the time. Mm. We'll get to that in just a tick, so I want to mm. briefly run over that and talk about, you know, iodine and its, its competition with breast tissue and whatnot. Mm. But um, these people will come in and they've hit menopause and all of a sudden things aren't going well for them, okay? Mm. And... A lot of people don't realise that the adrenal glands produce androgens mm-hmm. as well as yep. all the stuff we've spoken about. Yep. And when one's ovaries maladapt or you know start to break down and stop mm. producing uh, estradiol at the rate we want to, mm. the body needs to adapt to this. So mm. it doesn't matter what you do to the body, it's always in this adaptative response. And as we know, hormones are asexual, they can yep. become whatever they yep. need to become. That's yep. just the cleverness of our body. But if you've got long-term adrenal fatigue and adrenal dysfunction and you hit menopause and all of a sudden your estrogen levels are low what happens now is the adrenal glands come under more scrutiny Mm. as we start producing high levels of androgenesteone which Mm. converts dhea to testosterone Mm -hmm. and then in fat tissue converts that to estrone a Mm. weaker form of estrogen Mm. and now we're getting fatter and more tired and more drained Mm -hmm. and it's it's funny like i'm a real female advocate you know as as you probably would know but I say to a lot of these people before menopause, like, get yourself right Mm. now Mm. because when things start to turn hormonally, Mm. you want a body that knows how to deal with it. Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. Do you see a lot of these people? Look, I do. And and the way I explain it to my patients is that your body has a lot of backup plans to compensate when things are wrong. When you go through menopause and you do reduce your production specifically, I find the reduction of progesterone one of the most damaging signs. and, And that can often be leading... 10 years prior to women actually going through menopause, yes. um, the body then loses loses an ability to cope that it previously had. And progesterone itself is is a very good adaptive hormone and it itself reduces inflammation and um, and has an effect on, on balancing the cortisol uh, function at the receptor level as well. Yep. And, inter- so, and interestingly now, you start to talk about one of my passions, which is the whole estrogen-progesterone ratio mm. aspect. <laughs> yes. So we know whenever we've got low progesterone, we've got relatively elevated estrogen, mm. at least in ratio to the mm. progesterone. And now when you tie that back into the adrenals, we know that elevated cortisol reduces the liver's ability to clear estrogen. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, so, <laughs> yep. and so now we've got a big shitstorm going on, right? Mm-hmm. So when you walk forward into modern times now and just about every woman's on some form of either, you know, estrogen replacement for their menopausal mm. symptoms or oral contraceptive replacement yep. when, in their, when they're younger, we've got, you know, more estrogen coming in. Mm. You know, this is where keeping stress under control to make sure we can clear that appropriately becomes paramount, right? Absolutely. Like yes. paramount. Very much so. So mm. um, all you girls listening, uh, once again, detoxification, stress management, like it's got, it's got to be like a daily thing, doesn't mm. it, that comes into your mind. Yes. Like how yes. do I support my body's ability to live in modern times now? Yes. And what are the signs and symptoms that, that, that underpin this? So talk to us. I know it's getting slightly off track here, but tell us what the symptoms of low progesterone are. We're going to look at it here from an anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. perspective. So yep. if women yep. have got low progesterone, what's that look like for mm. them? So if in your fertility fertile years, you know, yes. when you were having um, monthly cycles. So the 
what we would call is the fact that the estrogen is unopposed. So you're getting estrogen dominant symptoms. So either mid-cycle, so that ovulation time for one or two days, um, often two weeks after your period had originally started or leading up to your period. This is when women will get premenstrual tension, fluid retention, sore breasts, sugar cravings, tiredness, just just that feeling of, you know, things aching as well, magnesium not working as well. Yeah, yeah, it's great fun. (laughs) Glad I'm not a chick. (laughs) I just want to say right now for the record, I'm so glad I'm a man. Uh, mm, It's the best thing being a man. Carry on. Being a woman. It's very, very interesting. You know, it's day by day. Um, so that's when you've got to look at for some women that some women actually have normal progesterone levels in that state, but their estrogen levels are just through the roof. So it's all about ratios. You yes. know, have you got enough progesterone to actually counteract or balance the estrogen that you've got left in your cycle? And if you're not detoxifying that estrogen or you're reabsorbing it, like we've talked about before in... In, in, your body's you know, stressed. Then your body is stressed, that's it, and yep. then you will have those hormonal symptoms. And they're the women that when you hit menopause and your progesterone production falls through the floor, you know, as women we will always produce some estrone through our fat cells, yeah. but the progesterone is the hormone that tends to cause a huge amount of, of the negative effects. Yeah. All right, let's sum it up. So okay. look after our stress levels, take time out to have fun, increase parathen parasympathetic nervous system mm-hmm. um, dominance through doing fun things, doing cool things, deep breathing, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Uh, what else you got? So eat regularly, we said that one. Keep blood sugar stable. Yep. Um, I, I, look, I'm a, I'm a big one of trying to get back to states of, of self-compassion. We're getting back to the Buddhist, the Buddhist theme mm. now. But um, I think it was Aldous Huxley um, who wrote Brave New World and, and he had spent decades becoming a Buddhist and he was one of the cleverest men um, and he was asked one day what he'd learnt through all of these decades of, of deep um, analysis of humans and, and um, becoming better people and his he summed it up as to be kind, be kinder to yourself, be yeah. kinder to people around you and that is the absolute antithesis of all this judgement that we are constantly putting upon ourselves with our modern world. It's a simple philosophy, but it works. You know, it's always the simple stuff that's the hardest to get to, yep. but you, you get through all those layers and, and it makes a huge difference. You know, stop judging yourself. You know, you're enough. Yeah. You know, um, give yourself some credit, you know, for the, the good things that you do and, and give other people the credit for the good things they do. And none of us are going to be perfect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that then tells the adrenal glands to just calm down just a little bit. Yeah. And it does make it easier. Do you know, on a whole other note, I was um, I was in a cafe doing a wee in the toilet, of course, a couple of weeks ago. Where, where is this going? Yeah, well, this, right. is, this is a good one. But <laughs> being a guy on wee wee, we're, we're up at heights when you can actually see things that are on the wall. So I look on the wall next to me and there's a quote by the Dalai Lama saying a similar thing, but I, I thought it was um, particularly pertinent to today's conversation. And it was words of the effect of, and not near as cool as the way he put it, but basically, you know, men spend their day chasing money chasing fame chasing notoriety Mm. you know um and in doing this letting their bodies fall the wayside letting their minds fall the wayside Mm. letting their relationships fall the wayside Mm. then when the body packs it in they spend every cent they ever earned trying to get better again yeah you know so i guess that is that delicate balance isn't it between you know making sure that all aspects of the self I guess a tick to some degree it's, it's mm. just dotting I's and crossing yep. T's really isn't it yep. you know yep. and making sure we have that time for downtime making sure that we have time to eat like, mm. I don't know about you but so many people I find that oh, I don't have time for you know like three meals and two small snacks like mm. that's ridiculous or, or mm. cla- nurses are a classic that I mm. find oh mm. I can't drink water Shannon I might need to wee mm. oh really mm. <laughs> you're the one yeah Do you know so yeah. sometimes we get so caught up in just like the basics of every day that we forget the fact that we are a functioning organism mm. we don't plug ourselves into the wall each night do we to recharge mm. and um, you know I'm one of the lucky ones. I put my head down, I sleep like babies. But how many people don't sleep well? Oh, it's huge. And their bodies then go through this state of, you know, like not repairing. That's Immunologically, it. they, they yep. run downhill, their gut runs downhill, they wake up, they feel like shit, and then they got to soldier on, mm. which is, you know, the Western way, mm. through the next day, you mm. know? And I think that there's got to be a point where we can have that line in the sand mm. where we take responsibility for the fact that what we're doing is not working for us. That's it. And it's an individual question, yep. you know? Like yep. what we're doing is not working for us, yep. the end, yep. you know? Yep. And 
And when I do that in all ways, it's not just stress. It's mm. like I'm not making enough money to pay mm. my way. Right, I've got to do something mm. different. But mm. the adaptation around being able to critically analyse your own life and analyse what's working for you and what's not working for you and mm. ask your body, like I said, like, how are you, body? Mm. You know, you have a relationship with your body, believe mm. it or not. It's not yes. just this thing that drags along with you. Yep. It's, yep. A, it's a thing that supports everything you do and everything you are mm. and at mm. the point it lets you down mm. no money in the world can fix it no, that's exactly right you know I've, I've sometimes say to people look put yourself on your deathbed yeah what what do you what want are your to regrets look, what do you want to look back on yeah um and now we can't all have this hedonistic life but you can you can then bring in 10 percent of that you know yeah. pretty well immediately yeah you, know, you just just takes a few um uh, you know, minor changes. It's and just some a planning. change in mindset and That's belief right. in yep. some way. I yep. think once you can understand, you know, and it's it's something that I had, I've had to work hard to learn, and mm. I've actually had kinesiologists and people like work on this for me. But mm. I had a belief that I had to do it hard. Mm. You know, mm. mm-hmm. I had a belief that I, you know, like no study was enough study, and mm. no clinical experience was enough, and nothing mm. was enough, and mm. just, that's just flowed into my life. Yep. And yep. that's made me an extreme perfectionist, mm. and I've had to unlearn. Those, I'm still unlearning those symptoms now as, as I age, you know, mm. realising that it hasn't served me and it's in fact stressed me. Mm. And I've got an amazing body which copes, you know, or has coped very, very well to support me in that process. But mm. I can't take the thing for granted. Mm. And, the scary thing, yeah, and the scary thing is you've got medical schools full of those sorts of people as well. Yeah. You know, and so, so the scary thing is you're putting yourself in front as a patient of a person who is highly stressed, highly perfectionistic uh, normally. Yes. And, and they're highly stressed themselves. So, you know, sometimes they're not the best people to actually have a good reference point for helping you work through your own stress issues unless they've learned how to balance theirs. That is true. Mm. Absolutely. Well, it's been an awesome conversation. So uh, I hope you guys have got something from today. Um, long and the short, look after yourselves, love yourselves. Give yourself time and space to breathe. It's a really important process in life. Uh, as far as the sort of uh, the pathophysiology of these dysfunctions and some of the testing around it uh, that may be necessary, I can help with that. Uh, if anyone would like to do sort of 12-hour salivary cortisol tests and have a look at their actual adrenal health, uh, I can help you with that. You can contact me directly. Um, for everyone else, though, have an amazing day. Please take time to eat your lunch, okay? Go and sit outside in the sun and eat your lunch. The world won't end without you, okay? So um, thank you, Ellen. You can go and cut people up now and um, I'll go home. (laughs) I'll have some uh, lunch first. I'll go home and try not to cut people up at my house with children (laughs) aren't doing as they're told. Good on you guys. Thanks for uh, tuning into this episode of Caravan Conversations. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Caravan Conversations, proudly produced by PSE Supplements. To see more about the podcast, including notes from the episode, please visit caravanconversations.com.